This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We're back for another week. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 6.30 tonight. So it's a Saturday. You know what that means. Saturday, 5 o'clock means one thing. What I learned on TikTok, our weekly deep dive into facts that sound too bizarre to be even possible. And if you missed last week's show, shame on you. I mean, with the new ESPN New York app, there's no reason to ever miss a Gordon Damer show. Now, it's sometimes a little difficult to find it, but if you find it, um, you, uh, you, have to, you have to listen up, people, because last week, during our What I Learned on TikTok segment, I took it on the chin. I was like Joey Gallo, flailing away with no success whatsoever. Jacob took me to the cleaners, and now we're still reviewing the process to make sure this never happens again. Even uh, our buddy Anthony in the mail truck got his question right, so something was off last week. It was almost like that scene in Casino where the guy, um, you know, De Niro comes out and, and, and yells at the, the guys running the slot machines because somebody won three times in a row. He said, how did you not recognize something was off? You know, well, there's no way I could do that that quickly. There's a, an infallible way. The guy won. <laughs> so we'll have to make sure that uh, that does not happen again. Plus, I don't even know, I, I, I failed to mention this right off the top. Some sad news that I have to pass along. Uh, And it's always kind of uncomfortable doing this, uh, leading a show with sad news, but there's no other, there's no way I can avoid this to the second segment, the third segment later on in the show. I would like to be the first to offer my condolences on the Yankee season. Because after spending 20 minutes or so on Twitter, last night, another 20 or so today, clearly the Yankee season has ended it's done sadly a se- i mean a season that began with such promise uh has withered and died on the vine i checked in with the great people at elias uh the yankees as it turns out are the first team in the history of baseball to be eliminated from postseason contention while having a 12-game lead that doesn't happen every day, so um, it's tough to – look, I, I'll be honest with you. You know me. I'm a Yankee fan. It's tough to take, and I can't discuss it for too long because I get a little choked up, uh, but we'll get into it. We, we have to, right? Like when you get eliminated from playoff contention 90 games into a season where you're 30-something games over 500 and a 162-game season, it has to be mentioned. This is historic. This is legendary, what the Yankees have done and, and failed to do by getting eliminated here on uh, July 16th, 16th, mid-July, and the Yankee season is already over. So, look, we've got a lot of stuff to do, and this is a perfect example again today, and we're going to take a lot of phone calls, 1-800-919-ESPN, about the Donovan Mitchell stuff, about the Knicks stuff, about what has to happen there, what will happen there. Four o'clock, we're going to talk with Tommy Beer, who does a great job uh, covering the Knicks with his blog and and on Twitter. So uh, we'll talk to him at 4 o'clock. But sometimes you have a plan for a show, and then all of a sudden something takes you sideways. And that's certainly the case today. In, in all seriousness, not so much about the Yankee season ending, uh, Ken Rosenthal with just an absolute haymaker 
uh, of news earlier, about an hour or so ago, with the blockbuster that Juan Soto has rejected his latest contract offer from the Nationals, which is not really new because he's done that a couple of times already. But this time, two things are different. A, this time it was for 15 years and $440 million. 15 years and $440 million. So when you turn something like that down, what you're saying is, I am not staying here. Uh, I mean, boy, you really must hate Washington. God, I would live on the moon for 440 over 15. Gordon, you have to go to Saturn, but we'll be paying you 440 million. Yeah, all right. When when does Bezos uh, fill up the the, the spaceship with the gas? Because uh, I'm I'm ready to leave whenever. Whenever. You could have got me for a whole lot less. So that's the one thing. He turns that down, 15, 440. And then the other piece of news, which is significant for really, should be significant for everybody in baseball, but it won't be, uh, is that the Nationals now will be looking to trading him. And that is absolutely fascinating because Juan Soto is the best player that has become available in quite some time. You probably have to go back to A-Rod. That is the last player this good, this young, who will be available. And just to give you an idea, because it feels like Juan Soto has been around for a very long time, uh, he is younger than every prospect that the Nationals got when they traded Trey Turner last year. He's younger than O'Neal Cruz, the kid for the Pirates. He's younger than a lot, of, a ton of guys on like the top 100 prospects in baseball right now. And let's be clear, because look, sports talk radio, sports fans, we're all kind of prone to hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. Juan Soto is going to be a Hall of Fame player. Barring injury, barring some absolute catastrophe that we cannot foresee right now. I don't think he's using spider tech. But barring some complete catastrophe, he is going to be a Hall of Fame player. This is Mickey Mantle. This is Ted Williams. This is the guy you unload your farm system for. This is the guy that you give a 15-year contract to. He is the best player in baseball, 25 years or younger. And when you're talking about signing somebody to a long-term contract, forget about production, forget about stats. The most important stat, really, the first one you start with is age. You don't want to be signing guys who are 30, 31, 32 years old to multi-year contracts because we've seen how that's turned out. Even great players like Albert Pujols. Pujols got a contract, I think, when he was 31 with the Angels. It's been a disaster. But this guy is the best player in baseball right now, 25 years or younger. And here is your chance to get him as a 23. Well, I guess if you don't get him now, you'll get him next year as a 24-year-old. This is like having a sports time machine where you could say, hey, down the road sometime, I could go back and give you the ability to get a Hall of Fame player. You'd have to say he probably hasn't even entered his prime yet. But as he's entering his prime at the age of 20, this is like having Biff's sports almanac from the the Back to the Future movies. And this is not hyperbole. Like, you go and take a look at what he has done. There is only one player in the modern era who has a better on-base percentage 
at this point in his career, Juan Soto, since 1900. And that player is Ted Williams. I mean, this, this is like getting Mickey. Somebody is going to get like Mickey Mantle entering his prime. And you have a chance to get him at the age of 23. And the players who are 23 or younger with already a career a home run total of 100 and an on-base percentage of 400 or higher, Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, Ted Williams, Mickey Manor, Mantle, uh, somebody by the name of Mickey Mantle, I should say, and Albert Pujols. So when you're talking about someone like this becoming available, uh, you'll see people say, well, you know, I'll give up this prospect or that prospect. No, you give up all your prospects. You, you, oh, I can't give up all my... No, yes, you can. And just from a local perspective, here's some more uh, true statements that might sound like hyperbole but aren't. The Yankees do not have a prospect as good as Juan Soto. The Mets do not have a prospect as good as Juan Soto. And you know how you can know that without... No, well, you know, there's this guy down in Class A. Do the Mets or Yankees have any 19-year-olds playing in the majors? Because Juan Soto was 19 and playing in the majors. And since that time, he has played at an MVP-type level. So every team in baseball should be interested in Juan Soto. And that includes, obviously, two of the big ones, the Yankees and the Mets. The Mets' problem and the Yankees' problem, they both have problems, but they're different problems. The Mets, they have a problem of circumstance. Because if the Mets... They might have the desire to trade for Juan Soto. And if you were a free agent and you had to put odds on a team landing Juan Soto, if the Mets weren't number one, man, they'd have to be pretty high up on that list. They'd be no lower than two. But he's not a free agent. And if the Nationals trade Juan Soto within their division when they still have three years of control over him, well, then that should be like the final scene of Cheers where they close out the lights and fold up the shop. You can absolutely, I don't care how much better the Mets trade package is for Juan Soto. If you're the Nationals, you can absolutely not be trading that guy within your division. I would think you'd probably have to trade the guy out of your league just so you don't see him all the time. But if the Nationals trade Juan Soto to the Mets, they should absolutely fold the team. So the Mets problem is really not anything within their control. There's no way, you know, even with Steve Cohen's money, he can't get them moved out of the National League East. So you really can't blame. If the Mets don't end up with Juan Soto, you really can't blame the Mets. If the Yankees don't end up with Juan Soto, that's different. The Yankees have everything they need to make this happen. They have prospects. They have money. They talk a big game when it comes to wanting a World Series. Prove it. Prove it. This is the guy. This is the guy who becomes available to ego. You know, for all the talk about Donovan Mitchell, nobody in their right mind should think that Donovan Mitchell is going to be the final piece for the Knicks in their championship quest. And this one, if, they, if the Yankees don't get him, I'm sure Cashman will be the one that, you know, takes the brunt of it because he's the GM. To me, this comes down to how. This is the time, this is the guy, this is the situation, this is the season. Absolutely. And this comes down to Hal Steinbrenner. You know, no approach in life is right all the time. George Steinbrenner had an approach when he ran the Yankees. It was right a lot of the time, but a lot of times it wasn't. 
He was aggressive at all times, always aggressive. And at times that was the right approach when you were looking to put a team that got to the, to the World Series in 76 over the top. And in 77 and 78, they had, you know, obviously they had Reggie Jackson and they, they win the World Series, all that type of stuff. That, the, the, that's the right approach a lot of times. Sure, it was for, for, for George, um, but a lot of times it wasn't. There were plenty of times where George's approach was the wrong approach, and he ran the team into the ground. And when he got suspended from baseball, some Yankee fans might not remember this, Yankee fans celebrated. So the aggressive approach is not always the right approach. No approach is right all the time. But in my eyes, Hal has not been aggressive enough. It always kind of feels like with the Yankees, they want to show you how smart they are. And it always kind of feels like a hedge. Well, if you remember the movie Rounders, you know, you can't lose big if you don't go all in. Yeah, but you can't win all win big either. This is the time. This is the guy. Damn the torpedoes. I don't want to hear any excuses. Well, what about this? What about that? What if a better player becomes available down the road? He won't. What about, uh, what about tomorrow? You always have to, you know, be worried about tomorrow. In the words of the great Apollo Creed, there is no tomorrow. The Yankees absolutely should be, f- get everybody in the office, run whatever numbers you have to run, because this is the guy to go out and get. And, you know, there's been this kind of perception surrounding Hal that, you know, he's, his name is Steinbrenner, but, you know, he doesn't really act like George. If there was ever a time, if there was ever a time to act like dad, if some fiber of your being, some little small piece of the DNA has been awoken, if it could ever be awoken, this is the time to make the move. This is the guy. This is the season. This is the time. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll take your phone calls. About uh, Juan Soto, we got to get into the Knicks stuff, obviously, with Donovan Mitchell. Oh, my God, everybody's got an opinion. Either they got to get him or they can't get him. Nobody is looking at actually what the most important part of it is. But coming up, we'll get your phone calls. We'll get into, you know, who you actually think will end up with Juan Soto because I don't think it'll be the Yankees. I don't think it'll be the Mets. But I do have a team. I've not seen any betting odds as of yet. But there would be one team that I would think would have to be first and foremost. And how the Juan Soto pursuit might actually help the Yankees, even if he doesn't end up on the team. So we'll get into that, too. Lots of stuff to do. Just getting started. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Uh, It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. So, look, I laid it out as well as I can. Juan Soto is available. Juan Soto is a guy that you move mountains to go out and get. I don't want to hear anything from Yankee fans about Anthony Volpe or Jason Dominguez or any of these guys. Nobody in the Yankees organization right now will turn out to be as good as Juan Soto because very few players ever turn out to be Juan Soto. So let's be clear about that right now. And before we head to the phones, I would simply... Now, look, I do not think that when the Juan Soto saga is over and he has his new team and he has his new contract that that it will be either the Yankees or the Mets. I just don't. I don't think that the Yankees operate that way anymore. They have to show it to me. You know what? You, can, you have the ability to show me. 
Show me. Please prove it to me that you are still the Yankees. You talk a big game about being the Yankees. You talk about wanting to win championships, not just a championship. Go show me. You, it's in your court. I can't do anything. I'm hosting a show. I got what I learned on TikTok at 5 o'clock. My hands are full. My hands are tied. You have the ability to go do this. Right now, right here and now, go do it. How? Cashman? Everybody? All hands on deck. Get the analytic people. You can run your little numbers. Whatever you got to do. Go get that. Could you imagine that monster in Yankee Stadium? Has there ever been a greater upgrade of man? You could release Joey Gallo within minutes and Yankee fans would celebrate. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, we're adding Juan Soto, a lefty monster bat with a huge on base percentage, a, an offensive machine. Now, granted, it's not going to be cheap. But you know what else is not cheap? A trip to Yankee Stadium. Those roast beef sandwiches are not cheap. That ice cream, you got a big gallon of ice cream in that helmet, that's not cheap. Those beers, they're not going to pay for themselves. So go get it done. So, like, who, like, if you're really going to kind of play the field here, because every team should be interested in Juan Soto, but how many teams would actually be interested in Juan Soto? How many teams actually have the ability to go get Juan Soto? Well, if you were going to make a list, I'm sure if there were betting odds right now, it would probably be the Yankees would be very high because it seems like the, the, the reputation of the Yankees is still lingering, even though the results have not really matched that. Uh, but the Yankees would obviously be one of them. The Red Sox would have, obviously have to be one of them. The Rays can cross them off the list. Um, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays would be interesting. I don't know how much they would be willing to uh, increase their payroll, but that would be an interesting, I mean, they already have a lot of young talent that a lot of young talent that they're going to have to pay. So I don't know if they would be a, a, a good fit, but I wouldn't cross them off the list. The Orioles, even despite their win streak, I would find it very hard to believe that the Orioles would be in the mix because if you're Juan Soto and you're turning down $440 million, at least in part of that it has to be that you want to go to a ready-made winning situation. And it's been a long time since the term ready-made winning situation was ever associated with the Baltimore Orioles, despite how well they have played and how surprising they've been. So cross them off the list. So then you get to the Central. Basically, I think you could cross off everybody there except maybe the White Sox. Maybe the White Sox. The AL West, that's intriguing because you have the Astros, which I don't think that they would be players for him, but I don't think that you could cross them off because they're not real. They're like top 10 in payroll, but they're like 9 or 10. They're not... They're not going to be an organization that goes one, two, or three. And, and look, they, why would they have to, right? They, they can win uh, even without being one, two, or three. The Mariners, I don't think that that would be a fit. The Rangers just spent a half a billion dollars last offseason, and they're still under 500. The Angels spend money, but they're a mess of an organization. There's no way Soto wants to go there. And then you have the, uh, the A's, which, uh, I mean, at this point, are they even a, a, actually a, a major league organization? So you can cross them off. The entire NL West, I think you kind of have to cross off because unless you got like two years down the road and you still haven't gotten the offer that you're looking for as the Nationals, I don't think that you can trade this guy within the division. And really, you're just saying you're going to cross off three names, right? The Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies. Those would be the only team. I don't even know the Braves would be willing to spend that much because they already went out and spent a bunch of money and they're never going to be a, a top three payroll type of team. Uh, then you have the Central. Two teams there that I think are interesting. The Cardinals, that, that could be certainly a mix there. Uh, the Cubs certainly looking to uh, rebrand things. But 
Again, does he want to go to the Cubs who are, you know, in the middle of a rebuild? Probably not. The Dodgers have to be on everyone's list because it doesn't seem like the payroll ever affects them or impacts them in any way. And I don't even know if they necessarily have a, a good spot for him to play, but they'll figure it out later. And that's really what a winning organization would do with a player like this. Go get the guy and figure it out later. The team that I would be interested in, and I took a look. They're, I think they're like 11th or 12th. They're basically league average in terms of payroll. But they've been a guy, a team rather, that has been uh, mentioned as a possibility for Aaron Judge. And that would be the San Francisco Giants. A very analytically run organization, which if you're going to go and ever sign somebody to this kind of contract, Juan Soto is that guy because you start off with the fact that he's 23 and he has already performed at an MVP level in Major League Baseball. This is the guy that you move heaven and earth around and you build your lineup around because he's going to be very good. He's going to be excellent for a very long time. So if I had to, I don't, I don't think I've seen any odds on it as of yet, but I'll be taking a look. The Giants would be a team that I'd be interested in, and I just simply wonder, and look, it kind of it depends on how long this plays out, but is it possible that this, with Soto being available, that it actually kind of helps the Yankees retain Aaron Judge? If the Yankees aren't good, if, if Soto does not get moved this year before the trade deadline, and this is an issue, and you think with the importance of the, the Nationals, there's a very good chance that he doesn't get moved before the deadline, and you go into the offseason to just try and, and make sure that you get the biggest possible haul for this guy. If you're a team that's out there, like I've already listed the team, there's not that many teams that are going to be willing to spend that kind of money and give up what's necessary for Juan Soto, and he's as good as it gets, right? Like he's an MVP caliber player, and he is only 23 years old. So it kind of, I wonder is if you increase the amount of good players available in an offseason that are at the very high end, and there's not that many teams that are able to play at the very high end, if you're in the market, if you were in the market maybe for an Aaron Judge, why wouldn't you be in the market for a Juan Soto? Now, look, you have to trade prospects, whereas Judge, you just have to give up money. But for Judge, would you rather have Judge for 8 or 9 when he's 31 or Soto for 15 when he's 24? I think I know which way I would probably go if I were not already tied to Aaron Judge. I think I know. I think I know what other teams would be doing as well. So it's just going to be very interesting. So... Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's get some thoughts on Juan Soto and the Yankees because this is the guy. This is the guy. And I I'll be honest, you know, you're probably, oh, well, Gordon, you're just a Yankee fan. You probably say this about all the free. There's the, I I've been here now five years on this station. I don't think that uh, I can say for sure there's been no player that I've, I've pointed to to this degree that say, oh, no, this is the guy you go get. The only guy that was even comparable for my own fandom was I thought the Yankees should have pursued Bryce Harper. That was the guy that I would have went and gotten. Now, Harper's hurt right now, but he's performed at an MVP level, and I just kind of wonder, you know, how much more of a balance in the lineup would you have had if you would have had a lefty hitter of a Bryce Harper to go with a righty hitter of an Aaron Judge? Uh, and this is a, a lefty hitter who is a better hitter than Bryce Harper. So, yeah, I would be, uh, I would be full bore. Damn the torpedoes, as I said. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Anthony is in Staten Island. Anthony, you're first up on the Gordon Davis Show. Hey, good morning, Gordon. Um, first off, I was completely wrong with Harper, by the way, because I, I, you know, he was he was kind of slowing down, he had a little bit of a downtick, but he made some adjustments. And um, 
and, you know, he's proven himself to be an amazing player. I mean, he was, but then he had a little bit of a downtick. You've seen, you know, guys like Chris Bryant have a downtick. Made me worry a little bit, but he's turned it around. But with the Yankees, I completely agree. I mean, there's no more perfect. Of, he is a young prospect, only proven. He's already right? in the be, major leagues, playing like an MVP. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, But the only thing is, is that the way Hal operates, it's just not the way his dad was. And, and you're right. If that DNA, if it's in there and it's going to show itself, I mean, he would completely change his reputation if he did something like this. And the Yankees are always going to be feared. Not, not you know, look. We know how Hal operates, but there's always the possibility of, 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 if they want it, they can go out and get it. And I think that's always out there. But, you know, I, I just don't see it. And and I, I think he ends up in L.A. I mean, I, I, I know uh, you said San Francisco, but I, I know him and Trey Turner are close. He went to go see Trey Turner in the in the playoffs. Um, and, and you're right, L.A. just seems to make the deal and figure it out you know, later. But, yeah, you couldn't go wrong with a guy like Juan Soto. I just – I don't see the Yankees doing that. I, I think they're – you know, their problem over the last few years is they haven't been able to go all in. They'll be a, a good organization, makes the playoffs, be competitive, but they haven't just gone all in. And, and I think that, you know, when they say they're a win-only organization, it's not true at this point. George was a win, you know, by any means kind of guy. Yep. You know, the, the organization right now, they're happy just getting to the, getting to the you know, playoffs and, and seeing how things pan out. They want to, you know, they want to be a consistent organization, and, and it's great. It makes them, you know, you, like watching them year after year. But at some point, Yankee fans won the ring, and I think this is the guy that would completely change how Steinbrenner's reputation if he went out and he did something like this, but... Yeah, you know, look, there was that famous story of Soto saying, "Look, I'm not even—I don't even want to bet in the minor leagues because I'm getting moved up." Like he's got that kind of that confidence. That let's face it, if you're a ball player, you need that. And um, you know, and he's been in the the playoffs at this point and performed at a high level. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and look, Anthony, you know, Dodgers. You, if you, I, I'm not, you know, the the, the betting expert, but uh, I would think that the Dodgers. Anytime there's a big money player that becomes available, you have to go with teams that have shown that they're willing to to spend big money. So the Dodgers are always going to be there. But I believe the Dodgers payroll is already three hundred million dollars this year. Uh, so I mean, maybe there's no limits. I don't know. I, I don't follow the Dodgers as closely as that. But if there's ever any limit, uh, you know, adding a guy who is going to be making you know, $40 million a season to a payroll that's already at $300 million. If there was ever going to be any impediment, I would think that that would be the impediment. I have a question. Do you think he's basically saying, look, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to take the $400 million from the Nationals. Maybe it's not all about the money. He is going to, he's going to get paid wherever he goes, but maybe maybe he'll, he'll, he wants to sign for a team that he wants to play with. I mean, yeah, you know, look, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, look, what, we don't. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of new, and it's kind of. I, I guess it's kind of been there before. And Anthony, thanks for the phone call. Um, that he's turned down contract offers before, uh, so it's kind of always been. Oh, when Juan Soto becomes available, when Juan Soto becomes available, you're right. Maybe he and Boris, because Boris is his agent, they've already got a place lined up. But if Boris's history is any indication, generally, it always turns out that Boris's pick is always the team that offers the most money. So, uh, what, what a coincidence. Look at that. This team offered the most money, and it just so happens where he wants to be. 
so, yeah, you're right. Maybe he has a team in mind already because if you're turning down, you know, like the, the trend in sports lately has not been, hey, wait till you get to free agency and then pick your spot. The trend has been lock in the contract, lock in the money, and then you say, well, you know what? I want to go here. I want to go there. And this is kind of going up uh, uh, against that because, you know, to turn down basically almost half a billion dollars when I don't know how much more he realistically could expect to get, right? Like, say he wants $500 million. Like, that's the number that he has in mind. Um, If you're talking about for 15 years, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Like, that would be another 60 million, 15. So you're talking about, right? My math would be $4 million a season, right? So, I mean, that's not real. Look, look, who am I to say $4 million a season is not that much, but when you're already making... Um, you know, 440 to, to move to 300, it's not ground shattering. It's not earth shattering. Um, so maybe he does have a team in mind that he wants to go to and then he'll just get paid. And then the, the, the whole thing is over before it even really begins, if that's the case. But until you know that that's the case, this is the guy you've got to pursue. And, you know, uh, Ken Rosenthal actually had a, a story was it a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, when talking about the trade deadline of the Yankees, that back in 98, when the Yankees were having this record-setting season, that uh, their Randy Johnson was getting, you know, was on the block. And Brian Cashman was, pers- even though the Yankees had this record-setting season, they were still pursuing Randy Johnson. Well, if again, I don't really think that this is a Brian Cashman issue as much as it would be a Hal Steinbrenner issue, but as a Yankee issue, if you were pursuing him back then, you should be pursuing this guy right now because this guy is the real deal. And he's going to, again, he will be a Hall of Fame player. We can say that, you know, barring injury, barring catastrophe, as he is right now at a 23-year-old level, he is already performing at a Hall of Fame-type clip. I understand he has only done it for five years. There's a long way to go. There's been lots of guys who have played great for five years. But again, he's 23. You trade for him, you already have two more years of team control. And then after that, he be, no, he has three more years of team control. He's not a free agent until after 2024. To me, it, this is a no-brainer. Uh, and if the Yankees, I mean, that's a perfect example. Anthony made the phone call. Like the, the perception around the Yankees, among Yankee fans, among people who are the closest to it, not just, you know, yahoos from around the country who think, oh, no, the Yankees just spend a bunch of money. No, the Yankees, while they do have a very high payroll, there does not feel that there is that will to win at any cost whatsoever. Like the Yankees like to portray, hey, we got the most World Series, we're the team, we're the, te- the North American most successful franchise. Well, you know, if you want to make it and you love the perception of any year we don't win a World Series, it's considered a failure because you have such a high standard of excellence, this is the type of guy you go get. I mean, I mean just for a second. Close your eyes. Again, not if you're driving, but if you're just sitting by the radio, think about Juan Soto at Yankee Stadium. Think about that monster in Yankee Stadium. Oh, my God. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. I mean, he would be incredible. He's already incredible. He's incre- You could put him in Yellowstone, he'd be incredible. But Yankee Stadium, he'd be amazing. Uh, let's go to uh, Simon is in New Haven. Simon, you're next up on uh, the Gordon Taylor Show. Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, Simon. How are you, pal? What's going on? Okay. Uh, listen, I have a possible uh, trade proposal about how we can get Soto. 
Yes. Uh, it may sound I'll just say corny, yeah. Even but... before you give me names, yes, I'll say yes to it. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, well, suppose we were to uh, trade uh, the national, give the Nationals. Suppose we give them Esteban Floreal, Miguel Andahar, and Glaber Torres for Soto. No, 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 no. And, no, no, and then so, we, I mean, we they're, could they're do it. They're not going to take uh, those. Those guys are not actually the Yankees' prop. Those, when you look at what the, the the Nationals are going to want, they're going to if if they were to if the Yankees were to pursue this, they are going to want. Uh, Anthony Volpe, who is the Yankees' top prospect and, and, and is you know pretty close to major league ready right now. And then they want Jason Dominguez, who is you know a little further away but is considered like a generational-type prospect to the Yankees signed a couple of years ago. And they're going to want other big pieces within the organization. It's not going to be Andujar and Florial and Glaber. I can tell you that right now. Well, and, and they're not going to want Glaber because Glaber's already in the majors right now. No, the Glaber's already here now, and he's getting closer to you know free agency and making big money. They're going to want lower level guys, a lot of them, who are on the fast track to the major leagues. Well, I hope I hope we do get some and, and and keep the judge. We need the gift from God. Judge is a gift from God. We got to keep him too. Well, look, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Thank you, Simon, for the phone call. He's not going anywhere this season. We know that much for sure. And look, you know, you might say, well, why would you go? You can't trade for Soto when you're going to have to pay him and you're going to have to pay Judge. Uh, yes, you can. They can they, much like the Dodgers, make the deal, figure it out. They already have, just off the top of my head, I can tell you right now that the Yankees have $27 million coming off the books next year in both uh, Chapman, who is a free agent, and uh, in Gallo, who will not be here. That will not be, you know. Let's hope by the end of the show he's not here. But, you know, even at the end of the season, he won't be here. Figure it out. You're, you're the New York Yankees. You got all these guys crunching all these numbers. If I got to hear about exit velo and, and launch angle and all these different things, and I'm not putting them down, that's fine. Crunch some numbers and figure it out. Get the guy who was crunching the numbers for uh, Michael Scott when he had to declare bankruptcy. Crunch him again. Crunch him again. Figure it out. This is the guy. Go get them. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up more, your phone calls. 4 o'clock, we'll talk with Tommy Beer. Focus in on the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. Oh, my gosh, we're just getting started. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Uh, looked up what Juan Soto's odds are for his next team. Where This is his team after the trade deadline. So... It's a little skewed because the Nationals are obviously the favorites, right? Like the, 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 the expectation is that he won't get traded here before the trade deadline because there's a you know, pretty big decision for the Nationals on whether or not they – it seemed like with, with Bryce Harper they were kind of in the same situation and then they never got anything for him. <laughs> he just left as a free agent, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, so this is – if you take them out of it, and I don't know if it would skew the odds uh, if you took it out, like if the question were actually – who is the most likely team to trade for Juan Soto rather than who he will be on after the trade deadline. But as of right now, according to uh, the fine folks at bookies.com, the Dodgers are number one, plus 375. Yankees, two, at plus 450. And then the team that I mentioned, the Giants, plus 550. And then everybody else after that is pretty much a long shot. Uh, Angels, plus 1,200. Brewers, plus 1,500. The Twins, Plus seven. I look. If he ends up on the Twins, and you bet money on the Twins, you get to own the Twins. You should own the Twins at that point. Uh, they have the. I, I, maybe I shouldn't be really trusting this. They have the Rays on the list. That's ridiculous. There's no chance that the Rays trade 
for Juan Soto. I will I will lose my ever I mean, can you imagine how much of the Yankees would get crushed if the Rays traded for Juan Soto? That would be outrageous. I mean, because even now, like he's not expensive yet, but by Rays standards, he is. Uh, and uh, the field is plus eleven fifty, so I guess that would include the Mets there. But I don't know how. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have went to the second Google search rather than the first one. All right, let's back to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. Keith is in New York. Keith, what's going on, buddy? Uh, what's up, man? Uh, calling in Juan Soto Yankees. Yeah, I don't see it, man. We saw last year. The Dodgers made that fancy move for Scherzer, for Trey Turner. Didn't even make the World Series. I think you look at what the Braves did. They got guys like Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler. Those are the moves that the Yankees are looking to make nowadays. Looking to make the smarter than everyone else in the league moves. Not the big splash, especially with guys like Volpe, Dominguez. They're going to be asked to get traded for in any deal for Soto. I think the Mingas maybe, but I, the Yankees love Volpe. They think he's the next cheater. I just don't see it. I think Yankees are in the in a situation of we think we're going to be smarter than everyone else and get the fancy move, not the big splash nowadays. Well, Keith, you know what? I can't really argue that point, even as a diehard Yankee fan. It does that is the perception uh, surrounding the Yankees organization. Uh, but the moves that you mentioned for the Dodgers last year, especially the Scherzer move, that was a win now kind of move. Now maybe they expected to keep Scherzer beyond this year. But that's not like you're not going to get Juan Soto to say, hey, we got to win a World Series this year. This is an organizational. This is a guy that you're going to have likely for a very long time. So this is not just a now move. This is a future move as well. And it also and Keith, thanks for the phone call. It also kind of covers you in case it turns out that you don't aren't able to re-sign Aaron Judge. Right. Like if you let's let's paint the scenario. Yankees get Soto don't win the World Series, and then Judge becomes a free agent, as we've been talking about since basically opening day. Well, I mean, you'd love to be able to have him back, but if you don't have him back, well, well, I mean, like, it's not, you've replaced him with probably a better player or at least a comparable player. Um, I would say a better player, but maybe, you know, Yankee fans would probably disagree, but certainly the better long-term piece when you're looking at just in terms of age and the better investment long-term, I don't think that's even debatable when you're talking about a 23, 24-year-old as opposed to a guy who's 31 and who has stayed healthy uh, I get uh, these last couple of seasons. But, you know, Aaron Judge has been kind of slumping here the last couple of weeks, and it just so happens to be tying in with, you know, he's got this leg thing, he's missing a game here or there. Now, I don't know that that's the reason. Maybe this is just a normal slump in the course of a long baseball season, which every player has, but it does kind of make you – you kind of notice that a little bit. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is uh, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Coming up, we're going to get into the Knicks stuff because, look, the, uh, the Juan Soto guy, he's not the only guy people want to trade for. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell has been a hot name, and we will get into it all with Tommy Beer, who covers the Knicks, and we'll do it next right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, of course, uh, Juan Soto is not the only name uh, talking about availability right now. The hot story all week has been Donovan Mitchell and no one better to break down everything Knicks than our next guest, who is Tommy Beer, author and host of the What's on Tap with Tommy Beer newsletter and podcast. 
and I've admired his work for a long time. I think this is the first time we've ever spoken. Tommy, thanks for joining us. It's the Gordon Damer Show. My pleasure, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right, so before we get into all this about the cost and, and how this would improve the Knicks or whatnot, where do you rank Donovan Mitchell in terms of NBA players? Is he a top 20 player to you, 15, more of like the 25? Right? Where would you rank, rank Donovan Mitchell uh, of all NBA players? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's, it's certainly up for debate. Um, I think 12 months ago, you, you probably have him inside the top 20. I think right now it's probably fairer to place him in that 20 to 25 range. Um, one of the elite offensive players, uh, uh, you know, we have in the game today um, has also shown that he can step up and, and play well when the, when, the bright, when the lights shine brightest in the postseason, um, averages over 28 points per game in the playoffs, um, one of only six players in NBA history to do so. Um, however, he is just 6'1", um, a little bit, uh, he has not shown a, a, a great uh, interest in playing defense much this past season. Um, so, you know, we'll knock him down a few pegs for that. But, yeah, you know, right outside that kind of all-NBA range and that next tier of, uh, you know, very, very, very good players, certainly a star, an all-star, three-time all-star, um, but not quite on that all-NBA level. So he's, he's probably somewhere in that neighborhood. All right, but, but for the Knicks' point of view, he would be the best player they have on this team and the best player they've had in a long time, correct? No question. Best player they've had since Carmelo Anthony in his prime um, and the other thing about Mitchell, he's only 25, so the scary thing is he hasn't yet reached his own prime. You would think, you know, in the next couple of years, 26, 27, 28 is usually when we see NBA players play at their ultimate best. Um, so, yes, uh, make no mistake about it. This guy is, is the goods, um, incredibly talented, um, incredibly confident, and he would certainly be a major, major upgrade and the best guard the Knicks have had, you know, since, uh, you know, uh, Stephon Marbury came back home. All right, so the Knicks last year, a 37-win team. They missed the play-in by six games, which is not nothing, right? Like, it's, a, it's hard to get one player to improve you six games from the year before. If the Knicks were able to add Donovan Mitchell, and let's for our sake say that they keep R.J. Barrett, so let's leave him out of any deal. They add him. They obviously trade picks. They trade some players on the team. How much do you think that that one acquisition would improve the Knicks overall? Yeah, they're also bringing in Jalen Brunson, you know, so that's, you know, that's a dramatic upgraded point guard. He's, he's going to be the best point guard they've had in a while, which, is, which isn't saying much, um, but, but certainly a significant upgrade at that position. So you bring in Mitchell. I think you can probably safe, safely put them in that, you know, kind of five, six, seven range, um, possibly with a chance that, you know, one team will kind of fall out of the top four. But um, so it'll certainly be in the playoff mix. They should certainly qualify for the playoffs. But it's it's no lock that they're going to not that they're going to be able to avoid the play-in, um, you know that eight to twelve range. Um, you know you got the Bucks, the Heat, uh, the, the Sixers, and the Celtics as your top four. Then you got the Raptors kind of sitting there at five. Um, so I think you could certainly make a case for the Knicks as the sixth best team. I would say they probably go into the season, um, you know, projected with the uh, you know their over under will probably be the sixth highest in the Eastern Conference, you know, for what that's worth. All right, so Bobby Marks, who works here at ESPN, he put out, you know, what he thought would be, you know, uh, kind of a fair idea. I don't know if he necessarily said that trade proposal, but try to, you know, give you an idea of what type of package the Knicks would have to present to Utah to get this deal done. Um, and he leaves R.J. Barrett out of it, as I said. From that trade, is there anything outside of R.J.? Let's start there. Is there anything out of R- outside of R.J. that you would say is a deal breaker for you if you were the Knicks? No, uh, I don't think so. I think you have to consider everything else on the table. In fact, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I would not 
considered a deal breaker to include R.J. Barrett because giving him max money, mm-hmm. giving him max money this summer makes me a little bit. I'm, I'm hesitant to do so. Is he worth 190 million? Um, I think they're going to do it. I, I think they probably don't have a choice. I think they'll probably play hardball a little bit. That being said, I, 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 you want to keep them. They're going to keep them. But that's the reason, by the way, that the Utah is willing to, okay, twist their arm, we won't take them, is because they don't want to commit that much money um, to a very good player. You know, if you're paying a guy max money, can he be, does he have potential to be a top 25 player? That's kind of what you want, you know, what you want to see. Um, and the reason the Knicks haven't done so yet, the reason why John Morant got his and Zion Williamson got his and Darius Garland even got his max contract already is because those guys are, you know, pretty much no brainers. Um, and the reason the Knicks are dragging their feet a little bit is because they they want to leave their options open. Um, that being said, um, it sounds like he won't be part of the deal. So outside of him, but I think the Knicks really, really like him, and rightfully so. 21-year-old kid, huge upside, has handled New York City since he's arrived here incredibly well. Smart, dedicated, high basketball IQ, hard worker, wants to get better. So he's the kind of guy you want to build around and bring, te- you know, when you have a Donovan Mitchell, you want to surround him with good young pieces. And R.J. Barrett certainly qualifies. But, yes, outside of Barrett, would I love to hold on to Grimes? Yes. Do I want to trade IQ? No. Or OB Toppin? I prefer to hold on to them. But when push comes to shove and push will come to shove sooner rather than later, um, those guys, you know, you're not going to give away all of them. But if Danny Ainge wants one of the two and and a bunch of picks and some salary filler, um, odds are they're probably going to have to part with one of their, you know, one of the three guys that they really value the kids. All right. So we're talking about, uh, obviously, we're talking with Tommy Beer here about the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, just trying to get an idea of what the trade package might look like. And, and you know, if you leave R.J. Barrett out of it, if you include him, I think the, the, the bulk of the deal, and at least for me, Tommy, where I kind of get a little queasy is just how many picks are we talking? And mostly, how many Nick picks are we talking? Because it seems like that's really where the value in the picks comes. It's not from the, you know, the protected picks that the Knicks have been able to acquire. It's from their own picks. If something goes sideways, which with the Knicks sometimes it does, you know, are you going to get burned by giving up a lottery pick in 2025 or 2027? How much value do you put on those picks, and and, and where do you, uh, you know, like, where what what do you say in terms of what's a deal breaker for you in terms of the picks aspect of it? Yeah, so the key with the picks is what what kind of protections are the Knicks going to be able to place on them? We saw what uh, what what Danny Ainge was able to procure from the Timberwolves in exchange for Rudy Gobert. That's four un three unprotected first rounders, one protected, just top five protected, an unprotected pick swap. Uh, 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 the, the the player that the Timberwolves selected 22nd overall, Walker Kessler, in the draft. Um, so they got an incredible pick haul. And just as importantly, all f- the three first-round picks coming back from Minnesota are unprotected. And you know that. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Juan Soto. Uh, they're going to have to give up. A, you know, Danny Ainge is looking for a Juan Soto-type haul in, in exchange for Donovan Mitchell. Um, and he knows that the Knicks have the assets to give them what they need. You know, the, the Knicks have for years, um, you know, the last couple of years, uh, fortunately have done a good job, you know, kind of building up a war chest. Of, of, of future assets. They have 11 first-round picks over the next seven seasons. They can trade eight of those, four of their own first-rounders, and they have additional four first-rounders. Those other, those other picks from Dallas, from Milwaukee, et cetera, those come with heavy protection. But you're right. What Danny Ainge is going to want and what he's going to ask for and what he's demanding initially, which is why the trade hasn't been made yet, I'm sure, um, is because he wants those Knicks picks. 
um, and, and, and he wants as, you know, as, little, as lightly protected as possible, whether they're completely unprotected, whether they're top one or top three protected. Um, that's probably my guess is that when they, they kind of figure out the framework of the deal, it'll come down to, okay, Leon Rose, how many picks are you willing to give away and how lightly protected are you willing to, you know, are you willing to make them completely unprotected? And then if Ainge gets that package that he wants, um, he'll do the trade because it's not the young players. You know, it's not Barrett that's going to be the deal breaker. It's not whether the Knicks want to include Evan Fournier as the veteran salary going <laughs> right. out. To they might trade for, they might send him there anyway. They might just say, Hey, just right, take him off right. our hands. Right. So, so what Ames wants, and we, and we know this from the Rudy Gobert deal is he wants, they're going to do a complete rebuild and he's very smart to do it that way. The worst place you can be in the NBA is that, you know, that 10th seed in the conference, that 12th seed in the conference where you're not good enough to compete even in the playoffs, let alone for a championship, but you're not bad enough to get the first overall pick in the draft or the third overall pick, whatever the case might be with the kind of flattened out lottery odds. Ainge understands that he did it when he traded Kevin Garnett, uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn. He, two of those picks turned out to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who took the Celtics to a championship two months ago and two wins from a championship is kind of the centerpiece of that team. So that's what Ainge has in mind. And that's why the Knicks have, have a lot of leverage here because no other team can offer that. Would, would, would you know, Miami wants to put Tyler Hero and some picks, you know, together. Um, you know, if you're, if you're Danny Ainge, do you want picks from Miami who are one of the best run organizations in, you know, all of North American professional sports, or do you want it from the Knicks who have more losses than any other team in the NBA this century? Um, so he wants those Knicks picks. He wants them unprotected and uh, he's willing to take a chance and, and see how that goes. It feels like that Timberwolves deal, uh, look, it's a good problem to have if you're Utah because it was just such a steal, but it feels like that it's almost impossible to top the haul that you got for Rudy Gobert, even though you're trading a better player than Rudy Gobert. I agree with you, Gordon. It does kind of complicate things a little bit because Angel's going to have to explain how you traded a 25-year-old Donovan Mitchell and he didn't get back as many assets or as many prime assets as you did from training a 30-year-old Rudy Gobert, who was basically played off the floor uh, in the postseason. I personally think that Timberwolves trade is one of the worst I've seen in my lifetime you know, of covering the NBA. I just was shocked at, at what Minnesota was willing to do. So Leon Rose has to keep that in mind, and I think Ainge has to you know, keep that in perspective. I think that has impacted the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Um, I think Sean Marks saw that and says, listen, we can't trade Kevin Durant and get back less than what the, you know, what the, the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert. Um, so I think it does kind of, uh, you know, puts a little bit of a monkey wrench in there. Um, but, you know, Ainge has to understand, um, you, you know, that's the other thing is the Knicks don't have to beat what the Timberwolves, what, what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert. And, the, and all they have to do is put the best offer on the table for this current Donovan Mitchell trade. So basically, you know, whatever the Heat are offering, whatever, so, you know, there are not many teams that are in the market for Donovan Mitchell. Um, the teams that have the draft capital to do it, you know, you're talking about the Rockets, the OKC Thunder. Um, those teams are not ready to add a player, a win-now player like Donovan Mitchell. So in so many ways, they're just a perfect alignment here. Um, Donovan Mitchell, a New York kid. His father works for the Mets. He's thrown out the first pitch at the Brooklyn Cyclones game tonight. Um, you know, he'd, you, you know he'd love to live in, and work in New York City. Um, and they have the assets that, the, that the, the Jazz want, the assets being, you know, high-quality, unprotected draft picks in addition to a young, young prospect or two.
We're talking with Tommy Beer here, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. I, I think the fear for some Nick fans is this is the, the Carmelo Anthony saga all over again. Why, why is this not going to be that? Why is this not the Mellow 2.0, do you think? For you? Sure, two things. One, I think the Mellow kind of era gets, gets short shrift from, from the – I understand. Listen, they only made it to the second round once. Um, they certainly didn't, you know, he, they didn't reach the mountaintop with Carmelo. But it is important to remember that the Knicks made the playoffs three straight seasons with Carmelo Anthony. In those three years, they won seven playoff games. In the five years since and the nine years before, that's 14 years combined, the Knicks won one playoff game. Um, so that just kind of gives you an idea. They didn't win a single playoff series, as we know, before or after Melo. Um, so do I think that the Melo trade was success because they went to the second round one time? No. This, you judge a you know you judge a success by winning a championship, and you want to put yourself in the best position to win a championship. Um, so I'd say that just to kind of preface it, and I'd I'd also add the reason that it has a chance to be more this next you know the Donovan Mitchell era has a chance to be more successful than the you know or, or achieve more playoff success than the Knicks did with Carmelo Anthony because there's a better team surrounding. Uh, ideally, depending on what they give out in the trade. Um, there's a better team surrounding uh, Donovan Mitchell. You got Jalen Brunson at a point guard. You got RJ Barrett on the wing. The Knicks have really one of the best, you know, center trios in the league with Mitchell Robinson, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, who Knicks fans are going to love, the guy they brought over from the Clippers. Jericho Sims has shown a lot in the league and, and his play last year. Um, so you got good depth at center. And then it comes down to Julius Randle. You know, do you get the the, the all-NBA Julius Randle that we saw in 2021, or do we get the thumbs-down Julius Randle that we saw last year um, that was, you know, really, you know, poor defensively, very little effort. Um, it was just basically a headache from start to finish. Um, if they can get a bounce back from him, um, you know, it's a talented team. Like I said, they have a chance to, you know, you know secure home court advantage in the first round. Um, they're a well-coached team with Tibbs. Tibbs is at his best when he has a team that's ready to win right now, we know he's not at, you know, we know he's not suited for a, for a rebuild and playing rookies and, and all those things. That is not his strong point. Um, but from an X's and O standpoint, um, you know, winning, you know, getting the most out of veterans on a win now team, um, you know, Tibbs is, is going to do what he needs to do to get the job done. So um, there's definitely reasons to be optimistic. And again, even if they trade three future first rounders, four future first rounders, they still have that Mavs pick and the Bucks pick. So it's not like there's a complete dearth of, of, of draft capital. They still have a bunch of second rounders. And the other, uh, you know, obviously the, the other reason to, to get excited as a, from a Knicks fan perspective is Donovan Mitchell's not the guy. You know, he's not – in order to win a championship, you need a top five player, essentially, you know, five, ten, whatever the case may be. But you need one of the true undisputed best players in the NBA. History tells us that, you know, 40 of the last 43 championships. I forget what the number is, but, you know, it's Jordan and Bird and Magic and LeBron and Steph. And, you know, you, you, we know how that works in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell's not on that level. It's very slim chances he ever gets to that level. But Donovan Mitchell would be great as the guy next to the guy. He can be a great Robin. The Knicks just need to find their Batman. And getting and getting Donovan Mitchell doesn't, you know, doesn't is it, that's not the end of the road. That's not the finish line. Leon Rose understands this. The Knicks front office understands this. He's a piece that moves them in the right direction and places them in a position to be to have an opportunity to get that next guy. We've seen what happens when the Knicks have a ton of cap space. They two years they tank for LeBron. They don't get him. They 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 waste a year, you know, tanking for Kevin Durant. Trade away you know, Porzingis and first-round picks to clear the cap space to get KD. 
and, and they, they end up in Brooklyn. We know how that goes. So, so just creating cap space and hoarding these assets doesn't guarantee you anything. Um, so I understand Knicks fans being hesitant. They don't want to give up these young kids that they've watched develop, and the draft pick scares them to death. I get it. Um, that being said, there's no promise you're ever going to get have an opportunity to add a player like a, a 25-year-old Donovan Mitchell. Um, so for that reason, I think the Knicks will end up making it happen. I think it's only a matter of when, not if. Um, and, and I think it, it's, I certainly understand the, the counter arguments, but I think ultimately it's the right decision. We're talking with Tommy Beer here, the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. Um, I mean, you have not heard any reports of it yet, but, you know, just kind of going by previous uh, star players who are going to get moved. Do you think that Mitchell is and his camp is pushing for the Knicks behind the scenes? Because we've seen in the past if a player you know, maybe not a superstar, but certainly a star player wants to go a specific place. That's generally where they end up. I, I think so. Yeah. For, you know, we've, we've heard rumors that that's the case. I, I, you know, I've heard rumblings, you know, for the past year or so that, um, and there's no, you know, obviously, you know, he spends a lot of time here in New York city, mm-hmm. you know, being a, a kid from outside the city, his father working for the Mets. Um, you know, so I, I certainly think that, and I think that's the reason why, you know, you know, the Utah camp will tell you, listen, we, we're not in any rush. We can take our time. The Knicks are desperate for a superstar. They always have been. We know James Dolan. If we wait long enough, James Dolan will, you know, make the deal happen like he did with the Mellow. I'm, I'm hesitant I, I, to, to, to kind of buy that line of thinking. I think there's a lot of pressure on Ainge to get a deal done sooner rather than later. What happens if, you know, a month into the season when Donovan Mitchell playing on a bad team around got, you know, the, the Jazz not only traded Rudy Gobert, the three-time defensive player of the year, they traded the team starting small forward in Royce O'Neal for a first-round pick. The head coach just quit, Quinn Snyder, who was a close ally of Donovan Mitchell. Um, they replaced him with a 34-year-old kid off the Celtics bench, the youngest coach um, in the NBA right now. I mean, this is a team that's, you know, the, the leverage that Ainge had in the Minnesota deal was, listen, if you don't want Rudy Gobert, we'll keep him, we'll run it back. You know, we're probably a top five team in the in the West with uh, Royce O'Neal and, and Donovan and Rudy, and you know, we'll, we'll see if we can you know make a run back. That leverage is off the table right now. So, I, I the, if the benefit for Ainge of trading Mitchell right away is not only avoiding any you know hassles in the start of the season. Again, a month of the season, Donovan Mitchell says, "I'm done. I don't want to play. I want to go to New York or Miami. Trade me to my three favorite. You know, one of these three teams. Um, that's a nightmare, and Ainge loses a lot of leverage. The other thing to keep in mind is this, this kid, Victor Wembayana, who's a, the French prospect, a seven foot, um, you know, uh, just wonderkin from from out of France. He's basically projected in NBA circles to be the best prospect since LeBron James in 2003. That's why you've seen this, the Spurs trade DeJounte Murray. Teams are lining, are are putting, are buying their lottery tickets for the for the Victor sweepstakes. Um, you know, he's going to be the first overall pick in the in the 2023 draft. So if you know Mitchell helps them win, you know, 30 games next season, it's counterproductive, and that's why I think he's going to be motivated to get a deal done. Well, Tommy, I could talk to you all day, but I got one more question because uh, I want to yeah. let you get to, uh, into your weekend. But if you had to put a number on it, odds that by opening night, Donovan Mitchell is a Nick, what number would you put? Um, I, I think the fact that the Knicks haven't done it yet means they're willing to play a little bit of hardball, which I think is smart, and I think they should. So I don't think it's a lock. Um, I'd put um, 75%. So I, okay. I, I'll leave myself a 25% out that it doesn't get done. Um, but I, I think there will take a couple weeks. I think the Knicks want to, you know, win the summer league championship for whatever it's worth and just kind of build up the, <laughs> Put value up the banner. Of the young guys. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how it goes. Tommy, thanks as always, man. Appreciate it. I always love your work.
My pleasure, Gordon. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. All right, that is Tommy Beer. Of course, uh, covers everything Knicks. And uh, let's get into it. Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks, the trade proposals. Is this Mellow 2.0? I got some thoughts. I'll get yours up next. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We're talking about the Knicks. We're talking about Donovan Mitchell. We'll get to the phones here in a second. But there's been this perception uh, when it comes to this, 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 this Donovan Mitchell trade buzz, when it comes to the Knicks, that the Nick, the pressure's on the Knicks to make this deal. Danny Ainge, there's not really pressure on him because he's got the star player. He's the one that can sit back and, and wait for the, the right deal to come available. And look, what Danny Ainge was able to get uh, in the Rudy Gobert deal tells you, man, this guy, he is a shark. He is, he's looking to, to, to gain as many assets as possible. He's going to tear it down and, and rebuild it on the fly and all these type of things. I, I would kind of disagree with that because I, I don't like when you say the Knicks have pressure to make this deal. Yes. Partly because Donovan Mitchell's a New Yorker and they, like all these kind of things kind of line up CAA client, Leon Rose. I got it. But who would you say that the pressure is coming from for the Knicks to make this deal? The media? The media? The, the Knicks aren't worried about the media. Leon Rose doesn't even meet with the media. He hasn't speak, spoken to the media in like a, over a year. Season ended and he just was like, eh, whatever. It, it, there's certainly not pressure from the fans because I think the fan base, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems pretty split 50-50 of whether or not they even really want to make this deal. I don't think the pressure is coming from the owner. I don't think that he's behind the scenes. Oh, you, you have to have this, you know, you have to make this deal happen. I didn't see that there was any reports of, of pressure on Leon Rose last year when the Knicks were winning 37 games and, and were haplessly basically out of even the play-in tournament by December. So I don't really see where all this pressure is on the Knicks, especially when um, it seems like they've already made a, a big move this offseason in bringing in Jalen Brunson. They should be better next year. And uh, they, they've kind of stockpiled these assets that if they don't trade for Donovan Mitchell, they do get to keep them. Now, eventually, you're going to have to trade the, 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 the you know, you're not going to use all these draft picks on players because you only have so many spots. But I don't get the sense that, first off, the best time to trade for a star player is when you don't necessarily need to be putting all your eggs in one bag. The Knicks can't be desperate. That's the mistake of the Carmelo Anthony deal. It was not that they, they got Carmelo Anthony. It was that they were desperate. And they should have just waited it out and gotten, a, if not a better deal, waited until he got until free agency. But they didn't want to see him go to Brooklyn. They were worried he was going to go to Brooklyn. And they didn't want to wait. You can't be desperate. Anytime you're going to make any kind of deal in your life, you cannot give off a whiff of desperation. So, yeah, this is the biggest test of the Knicks regime so far. But if they fail this test, I don't get the, you know, like if you're saying that there's pressure on Leon Rose, you would think that this deal is like make or break. I don't get that sense. I I get the feeling that that, that Leon Rose is is very safe in his role as as running the Knicks. I don't get the sense that uh, even if they were to have another year like last year, that all of a sudden that he would be in some major trouble. There was no reports of that this past year. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. All right, let's get some more phone calls in because I've been gabbing for forever here. Uh, let's go to a Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. 
Well, you've been gabbing forever, but it's been good gab. Thank uh, you. Let, 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 me, let me roll this back a little back, go back to Tommy Beer, who's a good guy. Uh, and he knows his stuff. Everyone, they all know their stuff. They're all going into the same well for the water. And what's happened in the NBA, and you brought it up on, uh, but in a very quiet way, a couple of, well, maybe a month ago, they, the Knicks got Walt Perrin. He was the Utah scout. The Knicks, in the last two years, have not even arguably have drafted a bit better. No one will argue with that. Their sophomores and freshmen uh, certainly uh, reflect more favorably than Kevin Knox and Frank Nellikin, who was a Phil Jackson thing. So there's the background. The pressure's totally on Danny, I'll fleece you, Ainge, if you turn your back. You know, the old joke about him was shake your hands and they got three fingers left. But that's his job. That's his job. They're breaking that thing down. Donovan Mitchell's a good player. Eight teams passed on him. Uh, Giannis and Kawhi were, were team picks. They were in the teams. And in, in, in each individual year in the last five, and you'll agree with me, they've won championships and they've been arguably the best player in the game. You got me so far? Yep, I'm with you. Okay. So, so what do we got here? What do we got here? You look at this slate. I was telling Jacob Perry, you look at this slate of uh, the Knicks have improved their bench. They had a very good bench the last couple of years. They had some injuries. It's a process. You just don't go from the crappy 17 to the 48. It doesn't happen that way. So you've got to develop your players. And I've talked to you enough times after games with Larry, God knows, and I've enjoyed every one of those calls. Right now, the balls in the Knicks' courts. Years ago, when, I, when you used to go to a Chinese restaurant, I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't eat that kind of food uh, anymore. But there were column A and column B. So you got five guys in column B. He'll tell, oh, I want them all. I want them all. You ain't getting them all. So it's a game of chicken right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, Spike, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I brought this up with Larry the other night. Uh, you know, I, I brought up the idea of buckets, right? Like, R.J. Barrett is one thing of it in and of itself. And if I were forced to give up R.J. Barrett... I probably would not make the deal uh, because the point is, is, is Donovan Mitchell better than R.J. Barrett? Yes, but it's not so sizable that it's not really kind of a lateral move. Uh, and I'm not really about lateral moves. If I'm going to make moves where I'm also giving up future assets, I got to get better in the now and deal with the later later. So, um, yeah, I would not give up R.J. Barrett in a deal. Uh, and I would not approach this from a level of desperate. The, the Knicks should not be desperate to, to make any kind of deal here. And I would almost add to the fact about the Utah desperation, imagine their situation, right? Like, the, the pressure to me is on them because, A, you're doing the full t- teardown, which I said that, that was probably what they were going to do anyway because it doesn't make any sense to kind of do a halfway rebuild, not when you bring in Danny Ainge, right? Like, if you're going to bring in Danny Ainge, you're going to do the full down, the, the full teardown. Uh, and if you keep Donovan Mitchell, that's, a, that's counterproductive, to the teardown. You want to, the Jazz want to be the worst team. They want to have the best odds in the draft lottery. They don't want to sacrifice that for a couple of wins. And then just take a think. Just think if, if they get close to training camp and Donovan Mitchell's still there, A, Donovan Mitchell's going to start saying, wait a second, what, what am I still doing here? Get me out of here. It's going to get ugly. And then the new coach, I can't remember the kid's name, but then he's going to be answering questions every single day. Hey, what about Donovan Mitchell? What about Donovan Mitchell? What you, it's, it's going to become a mess. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not telling you that there's no pressure on the Knicks because if they don't make this deal, I'm sure that there'll be some amount of criticism. But I, I don't get, like, where do you think the pressure is coming from for the Knicks to make this deal? 
Like the media, to a certain degree, there's parts of the media that are going to criticize the Knicks if they make the deal, if they don't make the deal. Like the same people. Like, it, like there was a popular tweet going around about, well, if the Knicks make the trade for Donovan Mitchell, if they don't make the trade, oh, the Knicks fail again. But if they do make the trade for Donovan Mitchell, oh, they just traded for a 6-1 guard who plays no defense, all of a sudden he stinks. So there's parts of the media that are going to criticize the Knicks no matter what. So I don't really think that the pressure is coming from the media per se. I don't think it's coming from the fan base because, again, the fan base is kind of 50-50. And I almost feel like I've heard more people on the Knicks that are Knicks fans saying, like, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that this is the right deal. to make. This is not the time to make the jump. I disagree with that. I think if you can get the right deal, you give up a couple of picks of your own, a couple of picks of the ones that you've acquired here, a couple of players, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, column, you know, each of the buckets but I'm not giving up R.J. Barrett and I'm not just going to give up everything that I've taken the last couple of years to acquire because I'm not in a desperate spot. If the Knicks go in next year and win, you know, 40 games, do a little bit better than they were the year before, you know, there'll be criticism, but it won't be, it won't be overwhelming because, again, take a look at where the Knicks were a couple of years ago. The Knicks are not going to be the embarrassment that they were a couple of years ago. That's that much you can kind of like for all the criticism that I've given, other people have given Leon Rose. He's at least established something here that's not like laughing stock of the league. Now, I know that's not a very high bar, but it's still a bar. It's still a bar. James is in Jersey. James, you're next up on the Gordon Damer show. My call. Um, when we had the 11th pick and we gave that away at that current moment, we were sitting on five. Uh, first round picks and four second round picks. That's nine players. Um, we are currently at four draft picks going into next season, and you're expecting he's going to want that the least, uh, you know, for four years, a pick for each year, and he's going to want three players to make the salaries match. That's going to be a total of 12 players. You add Campbell Walker, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks that they sacrificed. This will be an entire 15-man roster for three players that you sacrificed. Now, had this just been a trade for Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell only instead of instead of Jalen Brunson, then I I could support that. But to to look to 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 look at this and say, okay, this is good enough to not be fired, but this is not good enough to be praised. You know, uh, and it's it's clearly like we're being taken advantage of. I wish they would have targeted Danny Ainge when he was most vulnerable during the draft when he didn't have any picks, you know, maybe we, you know what I mean? But when you're giving Danny Ainge time to think, it's it's like this is not good, you know. And, and I, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of – there's a part of me that says I don't even want this trade to happen. You know. Well, look, James, I can understand, and, and you, I, I, you know, you, you speak for for other Nick fans, and thanks for the call. Um, you, you're right to be a little leery of Danny Ainge, given his reputation. Uh, I think you're a little leery uh, because of past experiences with the Knicks. I can understand that, but the the guys that you mentioned that they moved to either Kemba or Burks, those are guys that you know. You have to make some changes. Kemba, I mean, that was that was addition by subtraction. Now, you've, you've acquired all these picks. Eventually, these picks are going to go to some type of player like this. This is this has always kind of been the plan, to acquire assets to eventually make this kind of move. 
So it's going to happen at some point. It's just a question of whether or not you feel like Donovan Mitchell is going to be the best player that will be available to you who will want to go to you here over the next couple of years. We've already seen over the last couple of years, those guys don't get moved all that often. So uh, I get you. You know, There's a price that I would not be willing to pay in this, but I think that at least I am open to be listening to see what the price tag is. And if the price is right, then I think that the Knicks would be right to make the move. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. More your phone calls, but of course it's 5 o'clock. That means, of course, it's time for What I Learned on TikTok. We do it next here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.